Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We continue to make our way through the Gospel of John in our series entitled, That You May Believe. This week, we are led by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew, who will be preaching from John chapter 10. Just a quick reminder that you can get the other installments of this series, as well as our On Your Own reading, on the Christ Church website, as well as the Christ Church app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with his message, The Good Shepherd. Thank you for listening. So God, this morning we pray that you would speak to each of us in exactly the way that we need to hear you. We recognize, Lord, that we need to hear your voice and hear what it is that you have to say to us, God. Our culture and our society is in such a mess right now, Lord, and there's so many voices out there crying out to our name, but we only want to answer to your voice. And so, Lord, as we have this identity crisis going on in, in some of our lives, we pray, God, that you will make your voice very clear to us. We thank you that you are our shepherd. And we pray that you will help us to hear what it is you have to say to us this morning. So we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Jamie. It's uh, great to be back with you from the Dominican Republic. It was a fantastic trip. We were very blessed to serve. We smuggled 900 pounds of drugs into the country, thanks to all of you. Uh, It was a great time, but uh, it was really amazing to see God work. I was blown away. We had a couple, John and Laura Osmond, who celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary this past year. And instead of going away uh, on a vacation, they decided they were going to do a mission trip. So. Take that, church. That was a fantastic way to celebrate your anniversary. And I pray that God will convict your heart and challenge you to get out there and see the world with us uh, on a mission. And so anyway, I'm excited about our sermon this morning. We're, we're continuing in our series in the book of John, and we're in John 10. And it is a loaded uh, sermon that Jesus gives right here. And I want to be real clear about this. I, am, I don't have any better words to offer you than that of Jesus Christ. Um, This is a pretty comprehensive, all-inclusive sermon, and so in a moment we're going to read it, but I just have a couple of thoughts that I'd like to uh, talk about with you as we think about uh, this concept of the Good Shepherd. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had one of those awkward moments in your life where you've um, had a mistaken identity? Maybe you're at the mall and you think you know somebody and you say their name and they just keep walking by and you're like, clearly that was not Jerry. That was not the guy I thought it was. Anybody ever have that happen to them? I remember I was at a zoo not too long ago with my kids and I think it was the penguin exhibit. Uh, and uh, you know how the penguins are. Everybody just kind of piles in on top of you. There's 40 bajillion children around you, and I'm standing there, and I love animals, and so I'm up against the glass, and I started realizing, hey, we should probably go look at some of the other things that God blessed us with. So I said, all right, Becca, let's go. And I reached down, and I grabbed her hand, and we started to walk off, and and all of a sudden, Becca in front of me said, Dad, what are you doing? (laughs) And I looked down, and much to my horror, this little girl looked up at me at the same time, and she thought I was her dad. She was in the same boat that I, and we just looked at each other, like, give me my hand back. Like, (laughs) so call me Pastor Kidnapping from now on. There was another instance about 17 years ago. My wife and I were engaged. And Barry, thanks for making me kiss my wife in church. I love it. That's that's good. Kissing's good if you're married. Uh, So anyway, 
So I'm engaged to my wife, Michelle, and, and um, we're hanging out at her parents' house. We're watching TV. We're about to be married in a few uh, months. And, and I remember I got up to get something to drink in the kitchen, and I came back, and you know, I'm young, and I'm in love, and I snuggled up all close to her, and I sat down, put my arm around her, and then she walked around the corner and said, what are you doing? And I looked over to see the horror on my mother-in-law-to-be's face. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't greet her in the name of the Lord. Anyway, so it's an awkward uh, identity crisis where we think we know who we're talking to. We think we know whose hand we're grabbing. But the reality is it's, we can quickly become confused. And in the culture that we live in today, there's all kinds of voices screaming out to you about what is moral, what is right, what is wrong. And we've divided our nation with race and politics and just garbage that when you really think about it, is not the voice of God. And as Christians, unless it's the voice of God, it, does not, it is not our highest authority. It's not our highest citizenship. Do you hear me? Amen. We live in a culture today that wants to tell us that this book is obsolete, archaic, and that there are things in it that are no longer relevant. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because if you can't believe what this word says, you're something, but you're not a Christian. And as Christians, and the sake of tolerance, I've watched our Facebook threads blow up. And I've watched so many of us, and I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm not casting judgment at anybody this morning, but I'm going to throw some, some baseballs at you, okay? I love you, and I'm throwing them at me too. But we need to take a hard look at ourselves. The things that we stand for, the things that we tolerate are not godly. There is one God, and it's Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no other God. We live in a society today that wants to say, well, there's other ways to get to heaven, or there's other gods, or maybe we all believe in one God, and people just get there differently. You don't. That's wrong. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You see, God has set a standard for us to live by. It's called righteousness. And what's happening in our society and our culture today is because we're comfortable here, we're called to rise to the standard that God has called us to. We are. I'm not telling you you got to be perfect. You're messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. But God is calling us to be greater than what we are in our sinful condition. But because as a culture we're comfortable here, instead of adhering to the words of God, we eliminate some of them and we want to bring God down here to our level. We cannot do that. Because you see, we're broken sheep in need of a shepherd. And if a shepherd allowed the sheep to run the pack, they would all be dead. And maybe you don't even realize it this morning, but you are in need of a savior. You are not intelligent enough to be able to take care of yourself. I mean it. And I say that lovingly. You see, we're like sheep. Jesus says this. This isn't Jamie's sermon. This is Jesus saying this. So if you have an angry letter, send it to him. (laughs) But in John 10, we see this beautiful illustration that Jesus gives. And he says, we're sheep. And so we're going to jump into that in, in a minute. But I want to take a moment and stop and give you the background of where we're at right now. Last week, Pastor Jared gave a great sermon about the blind man who was healed. And thanks, Jesus, I'm healed. Now I'm excommunicated from my community. And and then Jesus was even met with rejection from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, wasn't he? 
And that was at a festival. And I think in this section of the Bible, Jesus is making his rounds to the different festivals in the Jewish culture. And he's transitioning them from being about them to being about himself. Because now we find ourselves in the season of Hanukkah in chapter 10. It's the only time it's really mentioned uh, in the New Testament. And what happens at Hanukkah, you see, the temple was destroyed by, uh, by some folks. And, and so in 164 BC, there was a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus who, who rededicated the temple. And when they rededicated the temple, the people of Israel decided that every Hanukkah, they were going to remember all of the broken um, leadership that came before. And they would basically, as Jerry Seinfeld would say, air the grievances uh, at Hanukkah. And they would talk about the bad leaders. So it would be like having a church service and then talking about all the awful things that the church did wrong. That takes place during Hanukkah. And so during this season, the people are, are airing the grievances. They're talking about the broken history of Israel so that they're not doomed to repeat it. And then you have this guy, Jesus, who shows up and begins to not air the grievances of the leadership of the past, but he begins to talk about, he starts talking about the leadership of now. Because you see, Jesus says, the leadership was not just broken then, it's broken now, and you're following the wrong leader. Are you following the right leader this morning, church? Are you following the voice of God? Or are you following man? As we look at this passage, we're going to see really three ways that Jesus identifies himself in this chapter. He talks about himself being a doorway. All right, And again, uh, God is the uh, only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to have eternal life. There's no side entry. There is nothing else that you can do. There is no other small g God that can equivalent with him. God has no rivals because he has no equals. Do you hear me? There is no other way to heaven. And so when you're perusing Facebook and you're liking people's posts that talk about maybe getting to heaven this way, be careful whose voice you're listening to. Because when we do that as Christians, we're putting a stamp of approval on something that is not, in fact, anything to do with our God. And so he talks about being the doorway. We'll jump into that in a minute. He talks about being the good shepherd. And then thirdly in this chapter, Jesus makes it very abundantly clear in this last public discord that he has before he goes to the cross. As he says, I am God. That's a bold statement. The Pharisees no longer have any room for, for thinking. Maybe he's crazy. or No, this guy believes he's the Son of God. And one of two things is going to happen in this moment, people. He either is the Son of God or he's a nut. But guess what? What's that third thing say? He is the Son of God. So as we jump in here, you know, we're going to talk about the doorway. Jesus says this in, uh, in John 10. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Right away, he goes at the Pharisees. Because you see, all through the book of John, he's using the illustration of what? Do you remember? Light and darkness. And now in this moment of Hanukkah, Jesus, in the, in the very tradition of airing the grievances, he begins to take pokes at the leadership. And he moves from that illustration of light and darkness to what the, Israeli peop, the Israelites hold as a very sacred illustration, that of a shepherd. He begins to talk about the shepherd. 
Now, that is something you don't do because when you think of their history, who were the shepherds in Israel's history? Moses, David. These were the guys you don't mess with. These were the holy guys. These were the awesome guys. So when Jesus begins to talk about shepherding, right away in that culture, their ears are a little offended and attuned. He goes on and he says this, Anybody that climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the only way into heaven. Listen to me. I don't care what your professors are telling you. I don't care what your parents are telling you, what the television, internet, whatever it may be. I don't care what they're saying to you. There is only one way into heaven. There is only way, one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ, his son. And what I love about this is Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd gate. And when he talks about that, we have this mindset that when we are saved, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's something that changes us now, but only affects us later. And I want to tell you that's wrong thinking. When you're saved, yes, you get eternal life, but Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd's gate. And the shepherd's gate is a two-way door. So when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you come in as one outside of the flock. And when you come into the flock of Jesus Christ, you are set free to go and to wander the pastures under the guidance and care of the Almighty Shepherd. See, there's there's bondage and sin, but there's freedom found in salvation through Jesus Christ. We oftentimes get it confused and think when I give my life to Christ, he's going to lock me in the sheep pen and I'm just nothing more than a slave. And that's wrong. Because true freedom is found in Jesus Christ. And when you enter the sheep gate and you become a part of his flock, you are now under his care. He says the words, I am the good shepherd. When we look at Psalm 23, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me now. We see this ultimate demonstration of the good shepherd and his care for his sheep from the perspective of a sheep. Now, let me start this by saying this. I asked a question on social media this week. I said, you know, are sheep just dumb uh, or afraid? And I got some really funny answers. And I think the general consensus of everybody on the planet is sheep are just really dumb. And, and, you know, I talked to a lot of farmers about this because this is a sermon I heard, uh, the part that I'm going to share with you here in a minute, when I was young, and it stuck with me. And I said, are sheep really stupid? And, and as most farmers will tell you, is, yes, they're very dumb. In fact, maybe it's not as much as they're dumb, as much as it's just they're ignorant to the surroundings and the dangers that they are to themselves. The fact that they'll go out in, into an environment and get themselves killed Because they're not aware of the fact that they're in need of a shepherd. Uh Uh-oh, this is starting to sound like somebody else. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God is going to take care of your need. God is going to make you lie down. Did you know sheep are so dumb? that when they get afraid of something, when they get scared, to use a Pittsburgh word, they will simply run and run and run and run and run and run and run. And 85 miles later, still not catch on the fact that the predator's not chasing them anymore. In fact, what will happen is a sheep will run hysterically to the point where they're exhausted and they die. 
Dumb. Right? But isn't it interesting that Jesus says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you know that sheep can be so dumb sometimes that they will start eating a broken piece of corn stalk and then not really stop as they get to the dirt? And they start eating crud and they fill themselves with things that they think are nourishing their body but they're really killing them? Does that sound like anybody else? And then they die because they fill themselves with crud, but not the shepherd's sheep, because the shepherd takes his sheep to the green pastures. He cares for them. He protects them, even from themselves, and says, don't eat that, but eat here. It goes on to say this. It says, he leads me beside the quiet waters. Now, I used to be a kayaking instructor. Let me tell you what happens in a class five rapid when you put anything in it, let alone a head full of wool. Because you see, a sheep is so naive and so dumb that when they get thirsty and they see water, they'll simply go and drink, regardless of whether it's a class 5 rapid or a mud puddle. And they don't realize that by going into some of these moving waters, they're actually endangering themselves. They're swept away, and, and they actually think they're meeting a need that they have, but the reality is, is they're killing themselves. But not the shepherd's sheep. You see, because the shepherd leads us by quiet waters, and he restores our souls. It says that he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you know that when the shepherd leads his sheep, it's, it's not actually not all about the sheep? Just like, you know, when God gives you a calling in your life, it's not all about you. That there may actually be a bigger purpose for the goodness of the flock. That God has a purpose for you that's bigger than you? Hmm. He says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the good shepherd, he protects his sheep. And when we look at this job description, we see a, a, a Jesus, a Savior in heaven who, who came and he really messed up this illustration of the sheep. Because you see, originally, sheep were something that were farmed. And a lot of people don't know this, but they weren't actually farmed to be slaughtered. Did you know that? Sheep were actually farmed for their wool and for their milk. And so what happens is, is in this culture this day, every now and then, there would have to be a sacrifice made to appease the wrath of God that we have, because of our sin. You, you following me? We've sinned, and because of that, a blood sacrifice had to be made. But you see, it already said it in the passage before, that, that the shepherd knows his sheep by name. I remember I was in a farm in Kenya, and I asked a little girl, what's the name of your cow? And she said, we do not name our food. Excuse me. No relationship. But it says the good shepherd calls his sheep by name. Do you know that when a shepherd had to offer a sheep for a sacrifice, it was the best of the flock? And that he, that sheep had a name and the shepherd cared for it like you care for your dog and cat? Isn't that interesting? We never thought of it that way, did we? But those sheep that were sacrificed, it came at an expense, and the sheep would die for the sins of the shepherd. But when Jesus Christ came, he broke all that. The good shepherd dies for the sins of the sheep. Jesus flipped it upside down. It took a divine sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God because we're made in the image of God. And so that sacrifice of a sheep was not sufficient, but a divine sacrifice of Jesus was sufficient because the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He takes care of his sheep. He protects them. He guides them. 
So we jump back to John 20, excuse me, John 10. And Jesus says these words in verse 11. See, this whole shepherding illustration is a powerful one because when Israel, in Israel, when you hear that good shepherd, that the word that is, is originally used there for the word good actually is basically Jesus saying, I am God. It's a divine illustration. And so there's all of those connotations that we don't have. Like shepherds are connected to their sheep. They love their sheep. And so when Jesus uses this illustration of, in verse 11, when he says, um, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and, and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and, and cares nothing for the sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. He's telling the Pharisees, you are, you are not the shepherd. You mistreat your sheep, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name, and I want you to know this, church. God knows you by name. You are the sheep. We are the sheep. We are, we are wild creatures that don't even realize how much of a need we have for a shepherd to help us from killing ourselves, from destroying ourselves. We need the good shepherd And so I ask you this question, whose voice are you hearing? Jesus goes on to say that when he says their name, he can call them by name and they know his voice. And when they hear his voice, the sheep will separate and his sheep will follow him. Are you able to hear the voice of God this morning? Are you able to hear the voice of the shepherd? Or is your life so cluttered with stuff and other things of this earth that you can't hear him through it all? Are you praying? Are you worshiping God? Are you being obedient to him? You know, it's interesting when we think about this concept of the shepherd. I think about you holding hands. I think about how I can hold my wife's hand and know it's my wife simply by the temperature of her hand. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, people? Married people, you hold someone's hand during a a prayer time, and it's not a spouse. You you can recognize that that's not the same temperature. It's not the same feel. It's not the same texture of skin. See, when you're in an intimate relationship, you know the person by their smell, by their touch, by by the, the, the way that they're shaped or the way that they look. And when we're in an intimate relationship with God, we should be able to recognize when he is working, when he is speaking to us, when he's talking to us. But we're so noisy that we can't listen. You know, my son and I were talking about this, and he asked me a very honest question. He said, Dad, I don't know how to hear God. I listen, but I don't know how to hear him. And I started thinking, that's just a really beautiful, honest question. And I think a lot of us have that same question. How do you hear God? Is is he going to speak to me through the radio? How is he going to speak to me? Well, I'll tell you this. That the shepherd's voice will speak to you audibly. You can't rule that out. That God, he will speak to you in your gut. Have you ever had that gut feeling like, I need to do this. I feel like God's telling me to do this, but I'm just not sure. Listen, that's God speaking to you a lot of the time. Maybe God will speak to you through the voice of other Christians. Did you know that he does that? 
He affirms things. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're created for community for a reason. And God will speak to you through other believers. God will speak to you through worship. He'll speak to you through a sermon. But again, I ask the question, are you in his word enough? Are you in relationship enough with him that you recognize when it's his hand or the world's? It's a tough question to ponder. It's a tough thing to ask. In your prayer time, are you the only one that speaks or do you ever take a moment to be quiet to maybe, just maybe, listen to what God wants to say to you? Our culture is a culture that rejects silence. It's a culture that rejects quiet. In fact, if I didn't speak for 30 seconds, everybody would ask the question, what's wrong with Pastor Jamie? Did he forget where he was at in a sermon? What's going on? But I challenge you in your prayer life, be still before God and listen to him speak. And just maybe, just maybe, the shepherd will talk to his sheep. You know, if you're not in the word, if you're not studying the real thing, it's going to become harder and harder for you to spot what's fake. You know, it's going to be harder and harder for you to recognize false teachers. There's a lot of us that we love to read theology, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We love to read all these magazines and posts, and, and we spend very little time actually reading the Word of God. And when we do that, we start following man more than we start following God. And I'm going to tell you right now, Pastor Barry, myself, Pastor Jared, Pastor John, Pastor everybody at this church, we're going to let you down at some point. We're men, we're people, we're sinful, we're broken, we're sheep. Don't look to to people to be your shepherd. Look to God, look to Christ. Jesus made it very clear, I am God, I am the way, I'm the only way, and I am the good shepherd. And when I speak, my sheep will know my voice. So whose voice are you hearing? Are you hearing a political party's? Are you hearing a union? Are you hearing that of a spouse? Or your selfish nature? Or are you listening to what God has for you? Because you see, Jesus is the good shepherd. And his sheep know him. Just as the Father knows him. And the reason that Jesus' Father loves him the way that he loves him is because, see, Jesus laid down his life He didn't get martyred. He wasn't murdered. But Jesus laid down his life. The shepherd gave up his life for the sheep. You are an endangered species. You hear me? Endangered because the environment that you live in wants to kill you. And it will do it politely. It will do it politically correct. It will do it tolerantly. It will do it nicely. Stop listening to the world and listen to what God has to say to you through his very true word, through when he speaks to you in your soul, and through what he tries to say to you through others. Amen, church? Let's pray. God, help us to know your voice. Lord, I'm I'm just going to be very honest here. Lord, there's even, there's many times where I, I can't hear you through the noise of this world, even the good things, God. I pray right now that you would help us to not allow even the good things to get in the way of what you're trying to say to us. 
We are a, a naive creature who is, who is endangered because of the environment that we're in, because of the, the ignorance that we have in our heart, and we're in need of a Savior. And so, God, please say our name. Cry out to us. Help us to be confident in the fact that no matter what valley we walk through, that you go before us. You're not a shepherd that leads from the back, but you go before us and you fight the battles. You protect us from the evil one. You protect us from Satan. He is alive and he is real. Don't believe the lie that he's not. So God, we pray that we would still our hearts, that you would still our hearts, that you would take our burdens And as we sit here in these next few moments and quiet, we pray, God, that you would speak to us. And so as I finish here, church, I want you to keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. And I want you to ask the shepherd this question. God, what do you have for my life? And I want you to listen. And maybe, just maybe, the shepherd will speak to the sheep. He knows your name, church.